I'm very excited about today's call, but before we begin, we have Jesse Ledoux with our product of the week. Jesse, tell us about the new product that you discovered. So Stephen, every pageant girl needs a bright smile. And for me, I have such an issue with sensitivity. I can't use Crest White Strips. I can't use any other whitening concoction. Zoom whitening doesn't work because I'm in pain for days. So I have discovered this new whitening toothpaste that just has done wonders and it doesn't provide me with any sensitivity. So I have been very impressed. Yeah. Have you ever used the, the Crest Strips or anything like that? Is it- yeah, I have. And I, I used it once and it was so painful that like I couldn't even hear sounds like you know when you're it's so weird oh my, my teeth were so sensitive like hearing chalk or hearing um, erasers or anything was like driving me crazy it was hurting my mouth wow. so I don't know if anybody else I'm a chronic toothbrusher so my nerves are more exposed I think a lot of pageant girls are like that too because we want those white chompers and if you have sensitivity like white strips will will crush you crush all of your dreams <laughs> Um, but I really found that this doesn't provide any sensitivity, which I was pretty amazed by because it doesn't contain peroxide. So do you put it in a tray and put it in your mouth or do you put it on your brush and just brush it like normal? How does it work? Yeah, it's the same as a regular toothpaste. I mean, I was using, um, I think 3d white or something like standard off over the counter. Um, so it's the only thing I've changed out. So I use my same toothbrush, do my same brushing routine. It's just a matter of using this instead of a regular toothpaste. That's awesome. Um, okay. So you basically just brush your teeth with this and your teeth get whiter. Yeah. And I noticed a result like the first time, I think the first time I brushed, I noticed that my teeth were brighter and the more I use it, I've noticed that the shades are lighting. And I, I will say I have a pretty white smile to begin with. So, um, I was incredibly amazed and I have seen some before and afters that blow me away with this product. So I know it works. I use it. I love it. And I've seen for others who I know use it and love it. I have made a world of difference. That's great. So, um, how much is it and how can they get it and all that good stuff? So this is a super special product. So if you are interested in learning more about this product or you want to order it, you can email us at support at pageantplanet.com. Um, it's $23. I know that's a lot for a toothpaste, but I promise you when you're replacing all of the other whitening products in your arsenal, your white strips, your trays, your lights, whatever you have going, this is a total replacement. So it is so worth it. And my tube lasted with two people using it for about two months because you don't need a lot. A little bit goes a long way. So it's $23 all in. That includes your tax. It includes your shipping. And if you don't see results, which you're going to see results, you can always return it. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Jesse. Thank you. Welcome to the Pageant Planet Podcast, where we help you succeed in pageantry. Now, here's your host, Stephen Roddy. Welcome, everyone, to another episode. Today, Jesse and myself, we are going to discuss books that will help you win the crown. So, Jesse, tell us, set the stage, tell us about what we're going to talk about today. One of the biggest topics I talk with clients about is educating themselves on the pageant industry and specifically their system. And all of that is research, right? You have to be a master of the title that you're hoping to achieve. And beyond that, it's more of just educating yourself on who you are, what you're bringing to the table, and it all encompasses itself into one. So with that said, educating yourself on the system doing the proper research, what must come with that mental preparation, mental strength, and just being in the frame of mind to compete and hold a title. So today, I really want to share with our listeners 
some books and other um, reading materials that they can sink their teeth into to help kind of blanket that research, personal best mental frame of mind. Um, and Stephen, I know this is a personal place of passion for you, so I'm going to actually let you lead the way today. Um, and I wanted to start with mindset. Do you think that's a good place to start? Yeah, I mean, if a girl doesn't win uh, in her mind, she's never going to win in reality. And a lot of times mm -hmm. we do things like self-sabotage to set us back. So um, in order to really be a queen, you have to first really believe that you're worthy of being a queen for that title. Because there's people that feel like, um, yeah, winning a crown is possible. And that's very real to them. They have that belief. But it's very different when you say, me winning that crown is possible. Because they, they know somebody's got to win it. So it's like, yeah, absolutely you can do that. You can absolutely win. And they, they can encourage their friends. But when the the mic is turned to them or the spotlight is turned to them. It's like, yeah, but can you, do you feel like you'll win that crown? And that, that's a conversation that a lot of girls, when you ask them, they'll say, yes, absolutely. I'm going to win. But in the quietness of their mind, when there's nobody else around, when it's eight o'clock on a Monday and you don't feel like training or you don't feel like going over your practice questions, do you really in the fiber and in the core of your being believe that you're worthy of the crown and that you're worthy of being queen. And until you get that deep down belief, it's just not going to happen for you. You'll find a way to self-sabotage. And I totally agree with that. And I liken it actually to contestants on The Bachelor. And it's a really kind of funny analogy, but these girls, you're preparing in your own homes, your own coaches, your own like protected communities and you think you're ready you think you you look the part you're acting the part you've done the work and then you get to pageant week pageant weekend pageant day and here are all these women who now you are looking at them they're just as beautiful as you they've put in a lot of work as well they have their own communities backing them and all of a sudden we recoil because we're not prepared for that moment and i think it's just like the girls in the bachelor they have always been told they're the prettiest girls in their hometown they probably have like their um, they are the boss in any situation that they're in. And then they get in the strong personality situation where they're competing for something and they just break down and they told you see it on the show. Like Steven, I know you and Renata. Have oh yeah. Episodes, oh yeah. I have to watch it. But you yeah. see these girls just like spontaneously combust within themselves because they're not mentally prepared for that type of an environment. Yeah. And if you and I've talked about this before about the similarities between the bachelor and just pageants in general, um, so the crown, I mean, you get the guy, but, um, it is amazing that when the pressure is turned on, what comes out and that's where, you know, where your real belief level happens It's for the girls who are able to maintain the sense of calm, the sense of worthiness, despite being surrounded by women who are equally beautiful, equally talented, um, and equally really even confident and they can still maintain their own confidence and their unique ability or just enjoy the process. You hear girls say like use different phraseologies, but at the core of it, what they're really saying is like, I'm just comfortable in who I am and I feel like I belonged here. So they didn't feel the need to perform, put on whatever. They're just very relaxed in their own skin. And that really shines through in a sea of women that have that, nervous energy or they're maybe trying to portray something that they are not organically. So what would you say is your number one book for people that are trying to find the right mindset and stay there? Okay. So the, 
like my number one favorite or just the first one that comes off to to mind? Well, I would say let's start with our number one okay. favorite. So my number one favorite is a book that is written by Napoleon Hill. And the book is called Outwitting the Devil. And it was written during the same time as because Napoleon Hill, he's author, also an author of a book called Think and Grow Rich. And he wrote it, I think it was like in the 20s or the night or the 1930s is when he wrote Outwitting the Devil. But it was so controversial that his wife said, do not publish this until I die. Like, like, I don't, I don't wow. want to be any part of this because that's how conversation or controversial it was. And in this book, um, what Napoleon Hill does and what he believes is that he interviews the devil and he asks the devil what his role in society is and whether or not you're a Christian or, um, or not, you're going to find value in this book. Because Napoleon Hill, when he's interviewing the devil, and it's not 100% theologically based, I mean, all that, you know, so if you compare it to to scripture, you're going to find errors. But the principle, the core of it, I feel you will see a lot of truth and a lot of value. So when Napoleon Hill is interviewing the devil, he asks the devil what his role in society is. And the devil is like, you know, basically I'm negative energy and my role in society is to do negative things. And my most important function is to keep man from his purpose, man or women, you know, from, from their purpose. And so the book goes into detail of how the devil keeps you, Jesse, keeps me, Stephen, away from operating at our full, um, like operating at our best life and put, um, creating our full potential. And so the devil, he says things like, um, there's been a thousand inventors who's better than Thomas Edison, but who never came to light because they didn't know how to overcome failure. And he said, failure is one of my most powerful tools to keep people from their purpose. And he said, mm-hmm. I will force people to fail one or two times towards the things that they want most, whether that's a relationship or a pageant crown or a business, whatever. And he said, after the second or third time of them failing, especially a humiliating loss, they'll give up. And he said, and that's where I come in and take over. And that's why you see a lot of people just drifting through life, like a piece of driftwood. They're not on a ship going to a definitive course because they've in essence kind of, given up. They haven't taken those controls over their own life. And the devil talks about how he also manipulates man through um, their food and uh, like what you put in your body because that affects your mind. And this was way before like these, um, you know, studies come out of how um, the effects of alcohol and cigarettes and um, fatty foods, how that slows your, your body organs and your intestinal tracts and how it has a ripple effect on your mind and your ability to focus and push through. Um, but Napoleon Hill was very much on the forefront of all this. So, um, yeah, it was actually just released. It was like five years ago when the book was actually released and his Mm -hmm. daughter 
um, a woman by the name of Sharon Lecter or something like that, uh, took the book. They found it or however they came across it. And she just, she read through it, loved it and decided to publish it. Well, if so, that's a really amazing theory, right? Is that like, there are always things working against us. So I think to your point is we have to figure out what those demons are in us that are holding us back. And I'm hoping that if, if you're reading this book or you do read this book, that will bring some of those thoughts to your mind. So is it a lack of motivation or is it self-doubt? Is it self-confidence? I mean, those are all things that play into this. So I think part of that, and correct me if I'm wrong, is probably identifying where those weaknesses are. Yeah, it is. I mean, the book, I mean, it really, this is out of all the books on my list. I have read this one the most. And I mean, I've read it, about six or seven times. I'm somewhere in there because I just listen to the audiobooks and stuff like where I work out or whatnot. Um, so much so I have certain verses like memorized. Or just like that. I'm like living it. <laughs> but um, yeah, he talks about um, even like your desire for love, which is a big one with the female um, mm-hmm. female audience and a lot of male audiences. But it's just more it's more openly spoke about in the in the female audience. Um, your pursuant of sex. Um, and like how that plays a role in holding you back from your purpose or helping you achieve your purpose. So it's a lot of like things that you can imagine back in the early 30s talking about actually interviewing the devil and the devil makes Napoleon Hill call him master. And, you know, so things like that would really cause a big stir back in back in the day where people weren't as um, open minded as they are about um digesting information so it's um it's a really powerful book highly recommend it you can get it on amazon or um i I really enjoy the audio book version of this they do just a fantastic job and the guy whose voice the devil is this like very sophisticated deep voice something that you would really kind of picture it sounding like um but so you can get on audible which is an audio book um or amazon for like Again, six bucks. I mean, six bucks and, I don't know, 15 hours of your life, something like that. I mean, it can change your life. And it's just amazing how accessible information is is like this that you can get your, your hands on. So highly recommend it, Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. And what are, so if people are liking this kind of mindset conversation and they wanted some other options, what would be, like, say, two of your other favorites? So two of my two of my other favorites and, and mindset is something that it, it needs to constantly be fed. I mean, I was I was in the gym and um you know, if you if you're listening didn't know that I'm married, I am married. But I have to really watch like what I look at because I mean I look up at the screen, there's half-naked girls. I look around the gym, there's half-naked girls, right? And it plays music videos. And it's like, I'm amazed at how everything is so sexually driven, like in in our society. And it's like, no, I I want to only think of my wife in those terms. Like, I don't want to like (laughs) stare. So it's like, you've got to constantly feed your mind, constantly um, surround yourself with people and with information that's going to keep you on the track that you know you want to go. And so um, with it, it's not a, you're going to read one book and then all of a sudden your entire life is going to change. Think of it like layers. You read this 
you listen to another audiobook, you surround yourself with positive people. And over the course of time, your life will course correct in such a way that you won't even recognize yourself looking back. So it's kind of like um, a ship, if you turn it just like two degrees to the right, it's not a big gap. But if that ship continues two degrees to the right off course for 30 miles, it is way past like where it needs to be. So, and that's the same way with your, your mindset in a positive way or a negative way, you change how you're thinking about life in just a small degree, you're going to end up so much further in life or on the contrary, so much further back. But to your question, um, so my two other books that come to mind, one is the secret and it, in essence, talks about the law of attraction, um, what you think about, you bring about. My mom used to always say that when we um, grew up. Stephen, what you think about, you bring about. Um, I, I, yeah, I remember uh, with the book, The Secret, um, I got in trouble with my, my pastor for reading it um, and suggesting it to another congregation member. And um, I went to Bible college. You know this. I'm, ord- I'm ordained. I can marry and bury and all that. Um, but I found a lot of value in the secret because the principles there are, um, they show up time and time again in the Bible. But it is new age. So, I mean, depending, it's like new age metaphysics type stuff. But in essence, that's the core of it. What you think about, you bring about, and it shows it time and time again in a very story-like fashion, which I really connected with. And where she got her idea for this book is a book called the master key system and that's actually free you can find that online uh, just type in like master key system free download and it, mm-hmm. it's it's been out for so long that it now doesn't have royalty rights on it or there's some law like that so you can download it for free and this takes a more of a scientific approach to the law of attraction and it's after reading this that um the, the woman i'm Rhonda Bine or something is her name. Um, she wrote the secret and the master key system. And one of my biggest takeaways, my remembers my uh, of memory from this, and it is pretty. It's it's pretty factually based. So think they take a scientific approach to how do you physically attract, like who, like what you, what you think about, and it takes you through. I believe it's a it's a six month course or a 45 day course, something like that, where they teach you how to meditate on the things that you desire to manifest. So it's pretty fascinating. But one of the things that, um, I really extracted out of this was the fact of, um, what you, oh crap, all matter, like the desk, the matter is made up of molecules. All molecules is made up of atoms. And all atoms is made up of energy. And they've done scientific tests that show like what your thoughts produce, it produces an energy, it produces a wavelength. So a scientist sitting in front of the board of scientists, he said, so it could be concluded that your mind will create energy, that it will manifest the atoms, which will create the molecules and manifest the the matter of like into your life or whatever it is that you're believing for. So I thought it was really interesting that somebody took that much of a scientific approach to um, what you think about, you bring about what my mom says, or as the Bible says, 
Um, basically you'll enjoy the fruit of your words. It's a proverb. Um, but yeah, but those are, those are two other ones that I really enjoy. And I'm just fascinated by the subject because everything that we have in life or everything that we don't like, there is a ripple effect, um, to, to how we think about ourselves. Like even just whether you're happy or sad. I mean, I, I woke up this morning stressed. I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, I work in my pajama pants. Why would I be stressed? But some <laughs> things happened last night before I went to bed um, towards the towards the company, and I woke up thinking about it. And I'm like, this is serving me no purpose, thinking about this in a negative light. Like, how can I turn my mindset so that I can actually create a better feeling for myself? Because it just doesn't feel good. Um, and if you cannot control your thoughts, you're just not controlling the quality of your life. I love that. I'm totally with you. I'm a firm believer in what you put out, you get back. And I think that's a really valuable um, approach for a lot of people that might wake up on the wrong side of the bed and see things in a certain way. Well, if you kind of change that mentality as a new opportunity, um, it's pretty amazing what can happen. So um, love those suggestions on mindset. And I highly back everything Stephen suggested. Um, Now, the other thing that we hear a lot, this word called the journey, the pageant journey that we're on, Um, because everything in life is a journey, but pageantry specifically, because I always say it's really the only time in your life where you are actively improving yourself in every area, fitness, mental capacity, um, serving others, um, your appearance overall, how you present yourself. Um, so it is a journey. Um, and sometimes you hit some roadblocks. So, um, do you have anything as far as that goes? So if if you're a pageant contestant or you're trying to launch a pageant pageant business and you have this path and you're kind of finding some roadblocks along the way, do you have anything for people like that? Yeah. And the, the challenge with the journey is that a lo- oftentimes it's really long <laughs> and it's, it's like, you know, a journey, a journey is not an, um, an adjective used to describe a, Hey, I'm going down to my friend's house, like five minutes away. Journey is a long. And whenever you're talking about something that takes a while, there's emotional up and downs, ups and downs. And those are never fun. Yeah, like I don't care what kind of music you listen to or friends around. It's just, it's painful. It's like going to the gym and having a really hard workout. It feels amazing when you get done with the workout and you look over, but during it, it's not fun unless you're a bit of a masochist and you just like to, you know, but in the same way it is with emotional journeys and emotional challenges. So it always helps me to realize that this journey isn't unique to Steven. Like there's other people that have similar journeys to go on. Um, and then I like to read about it because it puts me in their life. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, if this person made it through X, I can, too. And it doesn't matter if the f- person is fic- fictional or like if it's a real life account. But one of the books and <laughs> outside of Outwitting the Devil, I've want- read this the second most time. And it's called The Alchemist. And this was on the Harvard Business Review. Uh, it was Bill Clinton's, one of his favorite books, and sold like 2 million copies. It's been out for a really long time. But The Alchemist, in essence, um, it's a story of a shepherd who has a dream. And he's a, he's a poor shepherd, but God gives him a dream. And the dream is to see the pyramids. And he lives like, way far away from the pyramids. And this is like set back like where, again, probably 1920s, 1930s, something like that. 
but it talks about him wrestling with himself. Do I pursue like this dream that I have or do I not? And then he's starting to view the other people around him. Like, do I take their advice or do I not? And it's interesting to see the different pieces of advice that his dad gives him. Like, ah, oh, the the pyramids, they're, I mean, they're just little buildings. Like, it's not that big of a deal, right? Um, and so part of it is, like, at the pyramids, like, he's supposed to, like, have all this wealth, right, um, at the pyramids, which is one of the things that inspires him. So it talks about his journey, the hardships that he goes through, how he feels like God's forsaken him um, in this journey because, like, right when he starts off, it's like things are going well for him. He's, like, he's loving life, and then, boom, like, basically has to start all over and it's like devastating to him. And for me reading it, I can remember reading it at a time when I had just lost everything. And so I'm like crying, like, oh God, like just, di- I mean, I'm like, I get you. I get you, Pablo. <laughs> or I can't even remember what the, you and Pablo oh were bros. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was just like, oh, it was, it was in that, in, in truth, that part of the story, whenever I come up on it, I know it's coming and I don't like it, but I force myself to read it anyways. Um, it's a good reminder. But um, yeah, so learning and seeing how characters overcome of it, you know, overcome their lives, it helps me. And based on your personality type, it'll help you too. Uh, because the, the thing is like, just to, again, realize this is all just temporary. And as long as you're going after your dream, which we're assuming as a crown because you're listening to this, no one can stop you. Jesse, I mean, you're a prime example of this. I mean, you took a journey in pageantry and your first few times were a bit rough, but you didn't give up on your dream and then you landed with arguably like one of the bigger titles in pageantry. So, and now you have this platform where you're helping like thousands and thousands of girls win their pageants. And But you, so throughout your journey, you had to go through those things so you can educate others how not to do it so that you can help, in essence, the planet in which you live to be a little bit more successful. Oh, totally. And for those of you that know me or know the podcast, like I, I didn't have the resources that a lot of contestants have, and I didn't have a coach throughout my experiences. So I, I feel like I did have to kind of explore and kind of go through some rough waters. And sometimes contestants don't need to do that. But Lucky for you guys, I have done it and I can offer you all of that wealth of knowledge, but I wouldn't have changed my journey for anything. And it was because of those setbacks that I was able to get creative and um, come up with new opportunities and ways to excel in pageantry that are kind of back roads. Um, But everyone's independent upon their own journey and it's so valuable. And, you know, it took was what was my journey from start to finish? I guess I still shouldn't say finish, but 15 years of competing before I won a major title. I mean, that's a, a long, long time. time. Yep. But I love that. Is there anything else other than the alchemist that relate back to the journey? Yeah. So there, there's two others. Um, one, so the alchemist is a story um, and it's, and it's in essence a parable. Um, and as is the dream giver and the dream giver is more, it's more Christian based of like God gives, um, you know, <laughs> same one, right? It's, it's, pretty much the same principle as the alchemist the dream giver god gives the the man a dream um and the man pursues it and then it talks about the certain things that they overcome but the dream giver it's built 
a little bit like a children's book and it talks about how mm-hmm. like the types of people you are going to um, encounter on your journey to fulfill your dream. Like there's the people who love you like your parents, but who might be scared for you. And pageant girls get this a lot where it's like, I just don't want you to be disappointed if you don't win. Like the, the boyfriends or the sisters or the aunts or the moms or the dads, that's one of their fears for not allowing their, their daughters to compete. Like they don't want to see their daughter hurt. Um, so that's one of the types of people that, the dream giver tells this character that you're going to face. Um, and then also you have, it's like borderland bullies. So, you know, you have these different things. So right when you're getting close to crossing over, you'll meet a lot of resistance. And the book articulates what that kind of resi- resistance might look like. For some, it might be, I don't have the money for the entry fee or I don't have the money for the gown or a certain sponsor who said that, yeah, I'll coach you for free, backs out and now you're on your own or something will happen, you know, or somebody will say something negative about to you and your friend base or online. So borderland bullies uh, hold you back. And there's, I think there's five or six. I mean, it's probably been about 10 years since I've read this, but I really enjoy it. And it's still on the top of the list. The others is called, uh, the other is called the outliers and it's by Malcolm Gladwell. And in this, on on a few podcasts back, we talked about the 10,000 hour rule how he surveyed a thousand people and basically said, uh, how long does it take someone to become successful at something? And he created this formula where it's like, it's about 10,000 hours. It doesn't matter if you're competing in pageants, playing the flute, starting a business, and it takes about 10,000 hours to do something before you start to master it. And you can really be concerned an expert. Jesse, you've certainly paid your dues of 10,000 hours of, of pageantry. Um, so, definitely an expert. So, I mean, if you're looking at like actually competition time, prep time, volunteer time, how much you practice on your interview, your talent, et cetera, knowing the system research, all of that is time invested. So, um, the outliers is another really good one. It has more of a business slant, but all of that could be applied to just anything and everything that you, that you do. And, you know, with pageantry, we talk a lot about, so once you get there, to the top of your journey or along the way you meet all different types of people. And I know that I, I, I try to like everyone that I meet and I know you do as well, Steve. And sometimes though, there are some personality clashes or you walk into the room and you competed last year and everyone knows that you're a formidable competitor. So they kind of are standoffish with you. And it, it can be interesting juggling all the different personas in the pageant industry and it can get to you or you can try to overcome that depending upon your personality. But when it comes to relating with people, Stephen, so say I'm going through some tough times, I'm not connecting with people in my life, my, maybe it's my family, maybe it's my sister queens, how can I find some reading material that would help me overcome those types of situations? The very first personal development book, I didn't even know personal development books were a thing Like when I started my, my journey, and I was 20, um, so gosh, it's 16 years ago, and um, you know, put in perspective, I, I made a goal to myself that I would read at least 15 minutes a day every day. Um, and I've been doing that for basically about 16 years. So as a result, I've read a lot of books, I've listened to a lot of information, and it's changed who I am. But it started with this book, like How to Win Friends and Influence People. And one of my mentors at the time suggested I start reading it. And I read it, and I was like, this makes so much sense. 
And it sounds like a, a bit quirky or whatever, but the premise of it is beautiful because everyone that you'll ever meet, they're all wearing a sign, that, an invisible sign that says, make me feel important. And you don't make other people feel important to suck up to them, to use them, to whatever. You just do it for the sake of harmony in relationships. And what you do to others always comes back to yourself. Like, Jesse, I feel that the reason like you work with me on Pageant Planet is because I've sowed a lot of great seeds in my life. And I view you as part of that harvest. Like, wow, I'm so lucky I get someone so talented and so knowledgeable like Jesse and so loyal and that you look the part. I mean, I can always trust that you're, my brand's in good hands. And I feel like that's like God rewarding me for doing a lot of good things, maybe in secret or whatever. Like, I see that as part of my harvest. And one of the things that has taught me how to treat people and no one bats a thousand. I do not bat a thousand. You and I, Jesse, like I haven't even batted a thousand towards the way I treated you in the past. But the, um, the premise of this book, it shows you really just how to connect with people and influence them, not manipulate it, truly influence them, truly just love on them. And this book has been a foundational principle for everything that we've done on pageant planet. And what I like about it is there's real life examples of how great leaders that you see have all the influence, a lot of power, a lot of money, all these things. And then you have that perception of how they are versus how they truly are. Like that humility that they serve their um, staff with, that they serve their friends with. It's that kinds of things that promote people, not the thing that necessarily Hollywood endorses or Hollywood portrays. It's the people that have that, um, it's just that humble, it's that humble type of leadership where you're putting others before yourself. And it sounds almost like, gosh, I don't even know if I'm doing the book justice because I don't know if based on that, I'm like, eh, I don't know if I'm going to necessarily read that. But the, the premise of it is like, you cannot do anything without getting along with people. And so some of the people that I mean, they write the nastiest things to us on Pageant Planet. It it, it baffles me. Um, again, we don't bat a thousand, but some people say some pretty crazy things, and I'm like, wow, why would why would that be in your space? Because we try to do a lot of good. I feel like we do a lot of good, and we can help a lot of people, and we do help a lot of people. Again, we don't bat a thousand, but um, by by building this network, what our goal is is to make other people just better humans and in the process help them mm-hmm. win a crown and connect them. So that's really what we want to give out. This book has been really instrumental to um, the culture inside of pageant planet um, and just getting along with people. Cause you realize that when someone lashes out, like when someone lashes out to me, um, negative comments, whatever. And even Jesse with you and I's um, like, I, send an aggressive email and I was like, e. um, when I thought about it and it like there, it had nothing to do with you. It had everything to do with me and other pressures that I was feeling inside of my head and in my body. And I just didn't take the time to dissect it. And so when people are, um, you know, to you listening, when people are like lashing out at you or, uh, making fun of your pageant journey, making fun of your pageant dream. There's something that you're doing that's making them feel either inferior or intimidated or less than. And you could just be existing. <laughs> and all this is just story going inside of their own minds. But 
um, they are the reason why they're doing the things to you or maybe not treating you with love and respect is because um, you're bringing up something in them or something else happened and they're just all in their head and they're in a bad mood. But again, it's rarely, if ever, about you. It's about them. Well, now that I'm done shedding a tear about all those nice things you said about <laughs> me, oh my goodness, so nice. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so true. It's it's all about, and it's funny how all three of these topics thus far kind of meld together, the positive mindset, the journey, and now how you interact with people. I mean, it all comes back to that one thing, and the first topic is that mindset, is how you're looking at situations, how you're looking at how other people are perceiving you and you're perceiving them, and these are some fantastic resources that you guys can take home and, and really own. Um, so that's, I just said Steven's pet peeve. Steven hates when people say, Hey guys, and they're talking to <laughs> a group of like mixed gender or women. So you guys, you gals, you pageant people can take and like really put in your pocket and save for when you're finding these challenges. But, um, any other resources real quick about dealing with yeah, people? Yeah, just two real quick. One's personality profiles. Everybody has their own unique personality type. It's basically how they view the world. So it's called personality profiles. It walks you through four of them. It's amazing how you start to see people show up. Like um, There's something called a D personality, which is also a choleric. And they're the people that's really aggressive. They're like the ready, fire, aim. They're more of like a general type thing. They're very commanding in their um, in their speech. So you'll see them a lot on the leadership front. But they can rub people off the wrong way because they're not necessarily mm -hmm. concerned about your feelings. They just need to get the job done. So understanding just that one personality type and then you have the I personality type that's a bit flighty. But they're the life of the party. The party starts when they show up. Party ends when they leave. And they're just like... But a lot of times, organization is not a strong suit of theirs. <laughs> they're just all over the place. But everybody loves them, but they're at the same time where it's like, oh, my gosh, that person is a hot mess. It, it's it's like that personality type, but it's an I personality. And those are obviously – those are all taken into streams. I'm an I personality by default. Um, so anyways, learning those will help you better understand and categorize people so that you don't write them off as they're crazy, they're a jerk, they're whatever. You're like, oh, that's their personality type, so that's just how they're showing up. And then you don't take offense to it because you're just like, oh, that's just who they are. They're not doing it to me. They're doing it for them. Um, and then the other – and okay. we do, we, sorry to interrupt, we do have an entire podcast dedicated to the DISC assessment. So if that's something that you are completely interested in or fascinated by, I highly recommend you kind of taking it back um, to that podcast and, and looking into yeah, it. Yeah, that's a great one. That's a great one. Um, and the other is the five love languages. This helped me a lot with um, my wife and, again, like dealing with staff and friends. Everybody has their own love language. It's like, Jesse, if I only spoke Spanish, you only spoke English, and I was speaking Spanish to you, you would understand. So likewise, if I don't speak your love language, you don't understand that I'm saying I love you when I take a certain action. Um, Renata, so Renata took the test um, after we got married. I'm like, okay, let's take the test um, so I can understand, or maybe we were engaged or something like that. So she scored evenly. So out of a possible 100, she got 25% on four out of the five. So each one was 25%. So she's totally even. And she scored a zero on acts of service. Okay. So the five love languages is touch, quality time, giving of gifts, acts of service, like doing something for someone, washing or whatever, and um, quality time, um, words of affirmation. So those are the five. 
And the only one she scored a zero on was acts of service. Well, wouldn't you know that that's my main one is acts of service. So <laughs> I had to learn to change like, oh, okay, I want to show Renata I love her. Washing the dishes for her, washing her car, cleaning up the house, that's not even going to register. Me getting her plate doesn't even register that I'm saying I love you. So I had to really be like, okay, let's hold hands when we're driving the car. Let me be like extra sweet when I'm saying my words. Um, you know, let's just have some coffee ourselves, no phone at a coffee shop, like spending that quality time. And they have like, let me do a surprise gift, flowers, whatever. I mean, it could be a, a jack in the box and she would love it. I mean, it could be like sometimes a surprise her with Reese cups and she's like, yes, she just loves it. Right. Because it's the gift. It's, it's not the gift. It's the act of, I thought of her and bought her something. And sometimes she'll show up with my favorite potato chips and she's like, here you go. So, <laughs> um, so that, that book's really good for connecting and creating a, a really strong, both relationships in a friendship realm and relationships in a romantic realm. Love those. I totally agree. I think like at least understand your own love language so that you can share that with others. Because I'm a, like, I say this how many times, Steven, like you cannot meet someone's expectations until you know what the expectations are. And it works in both ways. So if you feel like you are not connecting with someone, like let them know that this is your love language and this is the way that you need to be communicated with because it will just smooth so many bumps for the simple fact of them not knowing because you can't hit a moving target. Yeah. Right. So you need to know. Yeah, completely. Um, and so I feel like probably the best place to end with is the, the thing of time. Now, people are like, oh my gosh, I'm just too busy. Um, first off, you're not any busier than I am or not any busier than Jesse. You just have to make it a priority if you want to make it a priority. Um, and then there's also like really great resources like Audible to listen to books on the fly. Um, Amazon it has um, has a book reader. Oh no, I think Audible is owned by Amazon. But you can also um, do the digital books. I, I read first thing in the morning before I even come down to the office, I'm reading uh, my books. So I spend anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour uh, each morning reading, meditating, praying. Um, so that gets out of the way first thing. And that's for me, anything important in my life, I have to do it first thing in the morning or it doesn't get done because it constantly gets pushed back. So um, I would just encourage you carve out time because the, the things that change your life and the change that determine the things that determine the level of success you're going to grow to, the, the crown that you're going to win, the job you're going to land after pageantry, um, the successful family that you create is the people you associate with in the information that you put in your mind, whether that information's movies, radio, um, or it's like actually educational material that's helping you be better. And the people, like they've done studies time and time again, Take the average of the five people that you are closest to, average their incomes out, and that's what your income average is going to be. Well, the same is true for weight. The same is true um, for like healthy relationships because like you are your circle of friends. So be very protective of who you let in your circle. Um, anything else that you would like to add with that before we close? No, I, I just want to reiterate that I loved what you said about like making sure you find the time for it because the time exists in the day. It's a matter of making it happen. So get those audiobooks, download them to your iPad, your iPhone, your Droid. That way you can listen to it any way, shape, or form. But I would say, like, I love when you said, Stephen, like, set 15 minutes aside every day to read. So whether that's reading or you're listening for 15 minutes a day, make it a priority because 
whether you're reading one of these books, reading for leisure, reading about your pageant system, that research will just, I think, take you to another place as far as your prep and who you are as a person in your journey. So um, love all of that knowledge, Stephen. Thank you for sharing. And if you end up reading one of those books, feel free to share with us. We'd love to hear what you thought. Want to ask your questions to the title holders and professionals we interview? Become a VIP girl today and get unlimited coaching from the pageant planet. Plus, ask as many questions as you'd like for only $47.